It's November 7th, 2018, and you're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. I'm Holly. And it's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Well, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Happy to be back here on... um, what is our very first day of freezing temperatures here in Dallas. And uh, you'd think that it was about to be the end of the world. I think grocery store shelves are emptying and people are preparing for the coldest weather we've seen so far. So <laughs> you'll know that it's winter in Texas when uh, when the temperature is starting to drop and everybody freaks out. So anyway, Um, I happen to be working from home today, and so is Holly, so I'm going to be doing this episode solo, um, but she will be joining me back again very soon. Um, But what I wanted to share with you today is a presentation that I did at a local realtor's office. I got to speak with some real estate agents there and share with them a topic that we deal with all the time, and I thought it would be interesting to them because they have to present these properties to these potential buyers and they don't always know what they're getting into. So today we're going to talk about property secrets you need to know. And if you're thinking about doing a renovation, either immediately or in the future, if potentially you're buying a new home, how do you know whether that house is going to be something that is easy to renovate or to remodel or to add on to in the future? Is it going to be something that is really tricky to even just change a paint color? Like maybe, for example, you're in a a historic district or a conservation district, as we have some here in Dallas. And um, or is it just really easy? All you have to do is drop the plans and go to the city and and they'll hand you your permit right there. So we're going to talk about ways to research a property to figure out whether or not you're going to have to jump through a bunch of hoops and whether there will be a lot of boundaries to being able to get that renovation that you've always dreamed of. And hopefully um, we can help you make some decisions so that you can decide if you're looking at a property to purchase, you can decide whether or not that's going to be a good investment or not. And even what might be some deal breakers, what might be something that would just be too difficult and you might just have to move on. So let's get started. So first off, we're going to look at the piece of property in terms of what the restrictions might be at a county level. So for those of you outside the United States, there might be an equivalent to what the county would be, but this is the jurisdiction that is larger than our city area. So we have in the States, uh, most areas will probably have a website called the appraisal district. So for example, in Dallas, it's called DCAD. It's the Dallas Central Appraisal District website. And that's where we can go to do a property search. And so you'll go to a site like that if you have access to something like that, and you'll look up your property's address. And then what you're going to see is a summary of what's on the property. So you'll see probably a summary of the value of the house or improvement as well as the land value you will see what they perceive as the market value, which is also based on the taxable value. So that's the other reason for these appraisal district sites is it's all tied into what kind of property taxes are you going to pay. 
The other thing that it summarizes for you that's very useful is it will tell you what your square footage is, living area, total area, um, generally what the condition is of the house when it was built. Um, You should also be able to tell what kind of foundation it has, what sort of roof material. It should just give you a real summary. So the other thing that we also look for is how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, how many fireplaces. It should give you a count on all of those different types of areas in the house. And what we're looking for is does the information on the appraisal district website match what is actually at the house? Um, There will also be a section, at least on our site, there's a section called additional improvements, and it will show whether or not, say, a a garage has been added, or maybe they added a deck um, or a storage building or maybe a swimming pool. Additional uh, add-ons or improvements or basically any time that they have um, requested another building permit to improve the site, that's going to show up right there. Another area that you might want to look at is that there will be a summary about the land, specifically about the lot. And what we see there is a the area of the lot and also the dimensions. So the, the um, width and length of the property will also be listed there. Um, and those are also good things to check then against the property survey. So at a county level, we want to make sure that what they have in their system correctly represents what is actually on the property. Next, you want to look at um, typically if you're getting ready to buy a property, there will be a survey that a surveyor has completed. And what you want to look at on that appraisal district site uh, compared to the survey is are the meets and bounds of that property matching? So uh, does the property measure out physically exactly the same as what they have listed on the taxable website? And then if it's not, then that's a red flag and you need to do a little bit more investigating. It'll also show you what, um, if there are any easements, um, where the electrical lines are running. Um, If you're studying that survey, it'll also show you um, what your setbacks are and typically where your house is located in relation to those property lines. So those are all really important pieces of information that Um, may just seem like lines and numbers on the page, but when you get down to it, we need to really examine those things so that we can know whether or not we can then um, build an addition, for example. So we're going to take a closer look at that. The second category of items that you need to check if we're really going to research a property is at the city level, and that is to figure out what the zoning is. The zoning is the category that has been applied to the neighborhood or the street or sometimes even the specific lot that tells us what we can and can't do on that property and how we can and cannot build on that piece of land. So if you go to your city zoning site, if you guys have that in your area, you will be able to search for the property, look it up, and it will tell you what the zoning is for that site. And ours happens to be on the Dallas City Hall website, and um, there is a city, a zoning map there that you can then look up uh, what your property is. And one of the things that I look for when I go to that site is when I pull up the property record uh, right there on the map, I look for what the zoning name is and if there are any additional overlays. 
So if you see something that says CD, um, that might mean conservation district. If you see something that says PD, that might be a planned development uh, area. If you see, um, I've even seen some that say DD, which is a delayed demolition uh, area. And that means that you're going to have to apply for additional permits if you, even if you just want to uh, demo part of the house or, or the whole house. So this is a really important site because it will tell you what, what are the rules that we're going to have to follow in order to get something done on this property. So if you look up your property and all of a sudden you realize you've got four different types of zoning and restrictions and all these things, that might give you a little bit of pause that maybe you might need to look closer at this because it could be just really difficult and ultimately expensive to try to make an improvement on this house. So once you've figured out what your zoning is, you can take that, highlight it, copy it, put it into Google, or go straight to your city website and look up the actual zoning ordinance. And I know this starts to get really dry and it can be just enough to make my eyes glaze over when I start to see some of these zoning ordinances because they can get very tedious. And um, I was laughing with some of the realtors at, at the presentation and I said, this is where I prefer something with photos because it is a lot of reading and a lot of processing of, of uh, information, but it's all very critical because if you don't comply with it, then they could kick back your request for a permit and um, then you're going to be in big trouble. So we want to take a close look at the zoning ordinance that applies to your property. So when I get into a zoning ordinance, I go straight to the table of contents. And typically there's a list that will give you a sense of what all is outlined in that regulation. And so what I'm looking for is, first of all, the side setbacks. And those are what is the distance from the property line to the building that I have to maintain in order to build something on this property? So typically there is a front setback to, uh, or a side setback and then a rear setback. And that will tell me how far away I have to stay away from that property line. Um, I might also find uh, guidelines on what the maximum height of the building can be. I might find out about um, how many stories that property can be or what um, another thing that I look for is lot coverage, uh, maximum coverage of the actual um, entire lot. And typically that comes in a percentage. Um, a lot of times here in Dallas, we find anywhere from 35%, 40%, sometimes 45% is the allowable lot coverage. And if you have high density areas, that might be even higher. Um, but they do that so that people won't build out the entire possible, you know, entire lot so that you still maintain some green area um, within each piece of property. The other thing I look for when I get into this zoning ordinance is, are there any architectural standards that they're going to require me to comply with? And so, for example, one of these projects that we've done recently um, is in a conservation district. And so this particular conservation district has specific requirements for different architectural styles. Each piece of property is assigned um, or designated as to what style they think it matches. And so they've gone through and, and defined like, is it Tudor or uh, traditional or um, craftsman, that sort of thing. And so 
it actually tells me what sort of features are typically found on these types of buildings. And if I'm going to do any modifications, I have to make sure that the character of the new modification stays in line, in character with what they've told me I need to follow. And that's all really important because if you start drawing an addition to your house or maybe you're doing a detached garage and you don't realize that these that these guidelines exist and, you know, what if you want to change your your minimal traditional home to a contemporary um, and then all of a sudden you realize you can't do that. If if you've purchased a house with the intent of changing the style and you didn't realize that you were in a district that won't let you do that, that's um that's a <laughs> that's a pretty big discovery um when it potentially is too late. So the next thing that you really want to check before you get in too far to the process of of renovating or adding on to a piece of property is we're going to take a real close look at those setbacks. And so the property we recently worked on, the home was built in 1937. It was a small 1,300 square foot house and a single story. The new owner of the house who had come to us to help him plan his addition was an investor. And the investor wanted to make sure that he could get enough new square footage on this property to really make it worth his investment so that when he sold it, he could um, make a good profit. And so as we started looking more closely at this property, we realized that the setbacks of where this house was located actually were not in compliance with the current zoning. And the reason that this happens probably more often than not in these older neighborhoods is that the zoning came after the house was built. So the zoning, you know, they try, the people who write the zoning ordinance, they try really hard to make it equal and fair to everyone. But what they do is they take the average of the front setbacks and the side setbacks, and they hope for the best. So the average of the setbacks of the houses on this side of the street where this house is, they averaged to be 40 feet from the front property line. Well, this house happened to be 37 feet from the property line. And so it was too close. There was part of the living room literally sitting over that front setback. And then also on the sides, the sides were too tight. They were supposed to be five feet on the west and 10 feet on the east. And both of those were over the setback lines. So this starts to throw up some more red flags, some more, uh, you know, uh oh, this could be a problem because you cannot modify something that's in that side set setback, or either you have to remove, you have to fix that area that's not in compliance, or if you're going to leave it there, if it's in a historic area and they're not going to let you touch it, then you cannot improve it. So one way or the other, it's going to give you a little bit of problem. So just heads up, if, if you find that your property is not in compliance with the current zoning, you need to start asking questions. So what can you do? You've got a few options. If you find out that this particular piece of property that you're wanting to renovate is not in compliance. So first of all, option number one is that you just update it cosmetically and you either keep the house or you sell it. So you don't physically change the footprint or the outside envelope of the house 
And that way you're not going to be up against trying to get a permit for changing something that is going to mess with those setbacks. Your second option is to apply for a variance. And this starts to get really complicated and can get very expensive. And many times they won't approve the request for variance. The the only time that they'll really grant that exception to the zoning laws is that if the zoning is unfairly putting a burden on you or it's making it so that you're, you cannot use your property in the same way that your neighbors can. So it has, there has to be some sort of hardship and unfair burden um, based on what the zoning is, is um, imposing on your, on your house and your use of the property. But typically that's pretty hard to prove. So thirdly, your option is to play by their rules and move forward. So that's what we did on this um, particular project. We had to leave the areas alone where they were over the setbacks and we just worked with what we could. So we still had plenty of room towards the back of the property to do an addition. And uh, we were able to work through all the different rules and give the new owner um, plenty of new additional square footage so that he could um, really transform the house and make it a really updated and, um, you know, nice home that was over 3,000 square feet so that a, a new family could move in there and have plenty of room. So as you're researching a property and you start to look at the characteristics of that specific lot, here's a few things that you might notice that could be deal breakers. And these are things that if you really have big plans to expand or the only way that you're going to be able to enjoy this house is if you put on a new kitchen, you know, and you have to do an addition off the back or something like that. Um, if you start to uncover these next three items, these may be deal breakers and you may need to think about moving on to a different property. So first of all, if that area is in a floodplain, that can be um, a, a big deal breaker. And the problem is, is you might say, oh, this area hasn't flooded in 200 years. Nobody ever worries about it. It's no big deal. Well, if you check the FEMA maps, um, and those, this is in the United States, so in the, the FEMA maps um, have changed in the last few years. And we all know that we're not just seeing 100-year floods, but 1,000-year floods. Um, this is a big deal. It's not just for how much risk can you accept, but it's, it may affect whether or not you can actually get that property insured, which also may affect whether or not you can get the property financed. So it really starts to become a problem uh, in many ways. Secondly, if you um, do a little bit of homework on a piece of property and you think you want to expand that house, meaning you want to build an addition outside the current footprint, you need to check very carefully the maximum lot coverage. And I'm, I'm sharing this because we've been, uh, we've actually e experienced this as a problem. Um, this shut down one project that we had already started designing before we checked the lot coverage. And um, sure enough, the previous owners had already built out the property by adding a covered carport. They already had built it out to the max lot coverage, and so we had nowhere else to go. Um, so that was really unfortunate because the owners, the new owners were really excited about getting their dream kitchen. They were big cooks. They really wanted to enjoy it, and all of a sudden they were stuck. 
they had nowhere else to go uh, with their kitchen expansion. So that could be a problem if that's really the only way to um, to make that house something really good, really special. And then thirdly, and this can fall into several different possible problems, but if you have non-compliant structures or unpermitted structures on the property already, the city will make you tear those down. Um, And we have seen this happen. In fact, we had a property where somehow the garage got built a full foot over the side setback line. And so when we came in with the new owner and they wanted to do a new addition, second story addition, um, a new part of the building, we had to fix, we had to get rid of that foot of garage that was over the setback before they would even issue a permit. Um, So it gets expensive, it gets, it delays the project and it just causes all kinds of problems. Another thing that you might look for that we've run into is, uh, especially here in Texas, is people like to add on uh, glass sunrooms off the back of their house. And these are sort of added on structures that seem seem sort of temporary, like they're just kind of added onto the back, but they create extra living space. If this type of structure is not permitted and you want to then go and renovate that house, you will not be able to unless you get rid of it. And we ran into this on a project. Unfortunately, the addition that we were doing required us to get rid of that sunroom anyway. But it would be a big problem if you weren't planning on touching that sunroom and all of a sudden you wanted to create, you know, say a new garage on the other side or or um, bump out a breakfast room and then all of a sudden you're faced with having to rip off this thing that was never permitted in the first place. So that that can be a major uh, problem for the project. And then if you've got uh, any sort of semi-permanent st- like storage structure or the big trend right now is the, the uh, man caves or the she sheds, the little, um, little houses or little buildings in the back that are sort of like retreats. Um, which I personally, by the way, would love to have, <laughs> but I don't think we've got room in our in our backyard. But if you come across a property, you may think, oh, how wonderful. This is so cute. But if that previous owner did not get a permit to put that up, you may be faced with having to tear it down. So that's really unfortunate if that becomes the problem. These are just some ideas of ways that you can check on a property that, um, you know, could save you a lot of heartache down the road. If you buy a property and think, you know, down the road, you might want to do some sort of renovation or remodel or something that requires a building permit. Um, Keep all these things in mind, because it's a whole lot easier to figure it out in the beginning than to um, get really upset when it comes time to to do your dream project. And all of a sudden, the city is telling you, No, I'm sorry, you can't do that. In summary, you want to make sure that you've got your checklist ready, that you are checking your county appraisal district site, looking for any anomalies or things that don't quite add up with what's on the property already. You want to check your property survey and check all of your, the dimensions of the property and make sure that they are matching with what the county says um, is on the record. Then you also want to check your city zoning, make sure that you are allowed to do the kind of changes that you want. And this also applies to 
Um, if you have a homeowners association, an HOA in your neighborhood, they also may have a architectural advisory board or some sort of architectural approval process that you have to submit drawings to. So make sure you ask. Um, and then there may also be some property deed restrictions um, that hopefully your realtor can help you identify or the previous owner should have that in their documentation. So just know that there are these different areas where, uh, you know, little road bumps can be thrown up in your in your way and create problems. And don't forget to check uh, if your property's in the floodplain. You also want to make sure that you are not uh, in danger of maxing out your lot coverage. And then also look for non-compliant structures. So if you have a shed in the back, but you don't really ever plan to do an addition, then you're probably fine. Just leave it be. But know that if you do plan on doing an addition someday, that that shed may need to come down or that sunroom, or um, even if, unfortunately, if there was some addition that was done in the past that didn't get permitted, uh, that could be a candidate for creating a problem. So um, we are happy to help you out if you've got questions on a specific property, whether you're here in Dallas or um, somewhere else, if we can uh, be a sounding board for you, we're happy to be a resource. Um, feel free to give us a call or, or shoot us an email. You can find out more about this episode uh, on our website, go to thearchitecturehappyhour.com and look for our show notes page. And we will be happy to give you more information. Or if you're right here in Dallas, we could even come out and, and walk the property with you. So um, hope you all are doing well. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye.